Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the Fight, and I'm answering a question from Instagram about borderline personality disorder. In fact, this question more specifically says, let me pull it up real quick here. All right, how to parent an adult child with borderline personality disorder. Before I answer this question, I want to give a big apology to all you listeners that have been waiting about three months for me to do another episode on borderline personality disorder. I do apologize. I promised you guys. In fact, I know my uh, assistant producer, main man guy, he uh, direct messaged a lot of people back about their questions about borderline personality disorder. I'm sorry. I apologize. I did not get back to your DMs, and I'm just realizing that right now. I thought, hey, I'm just going to answer this question about borderline personality disorder, and then I remembered I did not answer other people's questions about borderline personality disorder, and I was supposed to do another episode on it months ago. So again, I apologize. I'm sorry, and I'm going to do my best right now to give you some information about it. So I've given two episodes before. They were both on my other uh, episodes called OG Therapy. And so check those out. One was about borderline personality disorder. Talked about my origin story, about my family history and my experiences with it with clients. In my second episode, I was comparing um, some similarities between borderline personality disorder and narcissism. How I see with a lot of men, more in particular, that have come to me with narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder previously diagnosed. They came into me, not every time, but a lot of times I'm like, man... It seems like there was, you know, more, multiple layers there. Like there was definitely narcissism there, but at the bottom root of it, they definitely had a lot of characteristics and attributes of borderline personality disorder, which is another personality disorder, which happens quite often. There's a cluster. There's a lot of different types of personality disorder disorders that overlap sometimes. And there's also personalities that aren't necessarily completely diagnosable or someone that hasn't been officially diagnosed, but they meet a lot of the characteristics. So I get more people coming into me self-diagnosing their family members and their loved ones tell me, hey, this is what I believe my loved one has. Can you give me advice on that? Now, I'm gonna, I always give them the same disclaimer I'm about to give you guys right now, and that disclaimer is, I am not counseling that person, I have not diagnosed that person, so therefore, I cannot tell you that they have borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, any personality disorder, or any disorder for that matter at all. However, I can say, respectfully, that with the information you're giving me, assuming that information is accurate and assuming that person has these characteristics or this personality type, or at least close enough, I can give you some suggestions that will help you in that case, in that scenario. So with borderline personality disorder, it usually is someone coming to me and they give me a lot of information about someone being emotionally unstable, not just having a bad day, not just having a difficult time, but extremely emotionally unstable. In fact, I believe, I don't know what progress they've made in that, but I know for a while I read a a couple of reports that a number of mental health professionals were trying to get the name borderline personality disorder officially changed in the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. They're trying to get it changed to, I believe, emotionally or highly or extremely emotionally unstable personality disorder, which would 
definitely describe it better. I don't think borderline, I think borderline is probably the most vague description of that. I, I, I've always thought, man, I wonder if the person that came up with the name borderline personality disorder was borderline personality disorder. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. So my disclaimer to you is I'm not diagnosing anyone. I'm just answering a question. If someone that you know is either legitimately been diagnosed with this or you are led to believe through all your Google and internet research that they have this personality disorder, I will answer the question with a couple just or just one specific basic tool because I can't give therapy. You heard the disclaimer. So I got to be really careful about giving advice and what to do in these situations because they're very nuanced. There's lots of information that's needed. And this is a personality disorder. I don't want to tell people, oh, you just go do this and do that and everything will be fine because that's not the case. I mean, well, it's not the case in any personality disorder, but specifically with borderline personality disorder, it's very complex. But I'll tell you one thing that I can say with confidence with anyone that's extremely emotionally unstable. Again, not necessarily diagnosed with this personality disorder, but extremely emotionally unstable. This is why throughout my years working with teenagers, a lot of the things I found out that um, are effective with my borderline personality disorder clients, the ones that were actually legitimately diagnosed, um, the reason why a lot of the techniques were also effective with teenagers, and that's also the case with um, some therapeutic uh, techniques that they find can be effective with teenagers as well, is because teenagers are also very emotionally unstable or can be very emotionally unstable. Not all of them, of course, but many of them can be very emotionally unstable. So the advice or suggestion I'd share with you is something that you can do to make sure that you navigate these waters with you not being too reactive. So as you've heard me say before, and you've probably known this through your own life experience, you don't have to go to graduate school or be a lifelong therapist like myself to know this, but relationships are like mirrors. So if someone comes at you with an extreme intense personality type and they're yelling at you or they're they're saying that, you know, horrible things, extreme things, that's really hard for you not to react to that. And when I say react, let's say they come at with you like, you're horrible, you're this, that, how could you say all those mean things about me? And you're sitting there listening going, saying what mean things about you? You told so-and-so that I was, you know, lazier, this and that. By the way, people that are extremely emotionally unstable, aka have borderline personality disorder characteristics or attributes, those people can go from zero to 60 and then back down to zero pretty quickly. They can lose their temper, be completely just mentally and emotionally just off the charts, and then 15 minutes later, it's as if it doesn't even happen or never existed. I can think of a lot of times with my clients and especially when I'm helping family members with relationships with their kids that have borderline personality disorder, they'd be telling me one minute, the kid is telling them, how could you talk to my friends or tell my teacher all these horrible things about me? And the parents sitting there going, what? tell them what? And they just lose their mind. You're such a horrible mom. You're such a horrible dad. I can't believe you do this to me. I don't see why anyone would ever talk to you or love you and just attack them in any, whatever the weakness of the parents or insecurities, whatever they know that the parent would feel crushed or devastated by, they will attack that. Then they leave the situation. I mean, there's shrap, there's emotional shrap metal everywhere. There's, there's cartridges of just like emotional ammo, pop, 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 that they're firing at their parents. And then 15 minutes later, they come back to the room. So we're still going to sushi? 
the parents looking around like, sushi? What are you talking about sushi? Or, hey, um, can I borrow the car? But borrow the car? Why would I give you the car? Why would I take you out to dinner after you just verbally just, just destroyed me, said horrible, mean things to me? Why would I do that? So when someone hits you with so much intense emotions and they pull it back really quick, it leaves you miffed and just like, just totally bewildered. Like what's going on? Or if they attack you, it's normal to react with defensiveness, with matching that same energy. Problem is you can't match that energy. They can keep this up so much longer than you can. People that are extremely emotionally unstable, their emotional unstable cardio is a lot better than yours. You're going to try to make sense of their nonsense. You're going to try to understand why are they attacking you. You're going to try to like try to piece together the clues and the puzzles while they're just throwing stuff at you and then they're leaving the situation only to come back as if it never happened. And then when you try to like look around and say, well, how did this happen? What happened? They go, quit freaking out. It wasn't that bad. I didn't, I wasn't that mean to you or I didn't say those things or it wasn't that bad. Like you're taking it too personal. Like get over it. Come on, relax. So then you're trying to make sense of that. And then you're looking for a witness. I talked about this in some of my other videos. You're like looking around going, ah, how, do I, how do I handle this? How do I handle that? Well, I'll tell you how to handle that. Pretend to be naive. Pretend as if you're not trying to make sense of their nonsense. Not reacting to someone who is attacking is a very, very difficult thing to do. Very difficult. But if this person in your life truly does have this personality type characteristics or if they've actually been diagnosed with this disorder, this is not your first rodeo. It's not your first can of Copenhagen. Whatever fun you want to saying you want to come up with, it's not the first time this happened. In fact, it's probably happened hundreds of times. And there's an old saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So do not react. Do something different. You respond, but you respond with this naive, like you have no idea what's even going on. If they're yelling at you and you're pretending to not know why they'd be yelling at you, for example, situation, how dare you talk to my teacher? How dare you talk to my, my friend's parents? You, you told them all this stuff about me. Now you make me look stupid and crazy and blah, blah, blah. You should never do that. Like, blah. if they're attacking you from hurting their reputation, A, these types of people are very fearful of abandonment. And I don't mean like a little fearful. I mean every single waking moment of their life, they're either consciously thinking about it or subconsciously worried about it. Way more than the average person. So if they're fearful of abandonment and they think that you just gave someone some information that could cause them to potentially become abandoned, well then now off with your head. You're public enemy number one. And they will come at you or they're capable of coming at you as if you're not their parent, as if you didn't do all these nice things for them, as if you haven't been patient with them, but as if you were the actual tyrant and they're the victim. So in this type of situation with these types of personalities, I suggest you play dumb. You play naive and you act like you have no idea what's going on. So their reaction to your reaction is they become miffed. They start to become frustrated. Like they're not getting a reaction out of you. They expected to attack you you give a huge reaction and then your huge reaction justifies their initial action, which is now they're like, aha, see, 
Look at the way you're acting. Why would you be pissed off and upset if you really didn't do it? And then you're sitting there going, well, you just accused me of doing it. But if you act dumb and naive and having no idea why they'd even accuse you and like, really? Said something to who? Well, my friend's mom said that you called her up and you told her what we did last week. Oh my gosh, like we talked to her, but oh, something must have been misunderstood. I, I didn't even talk to her about those types of things. Okay, time out. You have to double down. You have to believe that whatever they're coming at you with and they're attacking you with is mostly not true. See, people that are that extreme in their emotions, they will take one word, they will take one sentence, and they will blow that up and they will add details and they will add information that wasn't originally in the conversation that pissed them off. It's called they're lying. Now, I know this may be hard for you to believe, that your sweet little child, these are older children obviously in this question, but your sweet little once was a baby but now is an adult, could make up a lie. That they could fudge the truth and maybe manipulate the facts to make you look more evil and to make you look like you're a bad parent. Well, they actually can. Hopefully you noticed my sarcasm. In fact, actually, not only do they can, that's part of the plan. Because the more extreme the lie, the accusation, the more likely you are to react. Liken it to if someone uh, has a huge gossip or a big gossip that someone comes to you and says, hey, I heard that you cheated on your husband with your husband's uh, best friend. And you're like, wait, what? Who told you that? If you know for a fact you didn't do it, there's no, like you've never flirted with that guy, totally off the chain. Like this is, this makes no sense. The more extreme the gossip The more you'll be caught off guard, you'll be off balance, and the more you're likely to react. Well, when you react in such a huge way, it's not fair to you, the person that had this accusation, this gossiping in this this situation. It's not fair to you. But the bigger your reaction, the more likely it is to cause skepticism. Happens all the time with teenagers in high school. Hey, I heard you uh, hooked up with so-and-so's boyfriend. What? Who told you that? I never hooked him up. I never hooked up with them. Oh my gosh, why would they think that? And let's say in this situation, that girl actually flirted with them a little bit and she's getting nervous. Like, oh my gosh, like they thought I hooked up. Well, we didn't hook up. I mean, I did flirt with them a little bit and they're panicked. They're getting, they're worried, they're worried. Well, that's similar to a parent. The parent's like, well, I did talk to her her friend's mom and I did say some things, but I, I didn't really say it that bad. But the daughter in this situation, I'm using a real life situation. I'm not obviously using the people's names, attacks this mom. And the mom did talk to her friend's mom. And the mom did vent a little bit about her frustration with her daughter, but didn't say that much because she knows how bad her daughter would react. When the daughter found out that her mom talked to her friend's mom and then it got back to her, she assumed the worst case scenario because she's fearful because she knows she has some serious issues. She doesn't want this friend's mom to know that she has some extreme emotional instabilities. So she made up all these lies. She's like, yeah, she said you said this and this and that. All of it turned out to be totally a lie. But the truth was she did talk to her. So much like the example of a teenage girl, yeah, I did flirt with my friend's um, with my friend's boyfriend, but I didn't hook up with him. Someone saw me flirting, made up this lie. The fear is like, oh my gosh, this looked really bad. Creates that girl 
just like it created this mom to overreact. And when they overreacted in both those situations, the gossip looked true. And then the BPD daughter was like, aha, I caught you. You must have said something. I just used that lie as bait. So the BPD person, or in this case was real BPD person, used that lie to bait the mom to admit that she did talk to her about some things. And then she filled in all the other blanks herself. So with your children, pretend to be naive, act like you don't know what's going on and double down on it. When they go, you talked, so this is what I told the mom. We ran it back, we role played this. I pretended to be the mom. She pretended to be her daughter. Her daughter came at her, attacked her saying, you said all these bad things, my mom. Let's see, Brittany. Brittany's mom told me that you said that I'm lazy. I don't ever go look for a job and that like I've been living here just milking off you guys for years. She actually never said that. The mom just simply said, yeah, you know, we're trying to encourage our daughter to get a job. Uh, it's been a little difficult. Well, the other mom was like, well, gosh, maybe we need to work together because I'm trying to encourage my my daughter to get a job too. And my daughter, is, you know, she's been living with us for a few years and I know they like hanging out. But we'd prefer that they go get jobs instead of hang out all the time. Well, I told the mom, here's how you should respond. She pretended to be the daughter. She pretended to attack me the same way the daughter attacked me. And I sat there, I was like, Oh, wait, like, I I mean, I remember having a conversation with her, but we didn't even talk about you guys at all. What do you mean you didn't talk about me? This is what the mom says. She goes, this is what she said. What do you mean we didn't talk about me? She said you talked about me and how I'm not working. And I go, oh, oh my gosh, now I understand. No. We were talking about how cool would it be if you guys got a job together? The mom's like, well, that was a lie. I never said that. I'm like, I know. She's lying to bait you. You can lie back to her to take you out of this fake accusation that she's given you. So I said, it's called a true lie. It was true a little bit. We just added the little lie that'd be good for them to work together. They were talking about them just getting a job. And maybe they could help each other get a job instead of help each other stay up all night just gaming. So the mom was like, I mean, I'm allowed to fudge the facts a little bit to get myself out of this confrontation and to calm my daughter's extreme emotions down. I said, yes, your daughter by definition doesn't play by the rules. In fact, she changes the rules whenever it suits her. So in that case, we're playing a freestyle game. You have to be willing to go with it, evolve. You can't meet her confrontation with more confrontation. Her overreaction with your overreaction. It's the gentle art. She's aggressive towards you. You just got to just roll it off and just give it right back to her. So we continued the role play. She goes, okay, let's keep on going. I said that and she goes, well, so she goes back in the character with the daughter. She goes, well, you know, well, her mom said that that wasn't the case. Her mom said that you said that I'm lazy and I don't ever want to get a job and I never go look for a job. I go, huh, huh. I'm just trying to make sure. No, I, I never said that at all. You never said that at all? No, not at all. Well, I don't believe you. Oh. Okay. Well, if you like, I mean, we can get her mom on the phone and we can talk about it right now. No, I'm not going to do that because that'd be absurd. That, then it makes me look like I'm crazy. Oh, well, sweetheart, I'm just letting you know that I'm willing to do that to prove to you. 
In fact, I mean, I'm willing to do anything to prove to you that I'm just happy that that you have a friend that you can trust and you spend time with. You guys can game all you want, spend all the time together you want. I know you're eventually going to get a job. I'm actually not even worried about it. Well, if you're not so worried about it, why have you always been on me about getting a job? Oh, no, I wasn't on you about getting a job. I just know how independent you are and how much you want to live on your own. And the only way to live on your own is to make money. So, no, I, I'm sorry. If I, if I seem like I was trying to get on you about getting a job, I was just trying to, like, remind you that you're very capable of getting a job. And as soon as you get a job, you'll probably make lots of money. And you'll probably make more money at 25 years old than I made at 25 years old. In fact, you could probably even buy a house and apartment before I even bought a house and apartment. So I was actually saying compliments about you, not criticizing you that you didn't get a job, just reminding you that when you do get a job, the sooner you can get out of the house with me because I know how hard it is living with your mom and I'm always, you know, getting on you and, and I don't want that. So the mom's reaction to me was like, I don't know if I could do that. I go, why? She goes, again, it's just like, it's not real. It's like, it's not honest. I, I don't really feel confident that, that she could get a job and that she could do all these things. I said, is your daughter dumb? She goes, no, she's really smart. I go, is your daughter unemployable? She goes, no, she's attractive. She's really good at social. She just, she sucks at really close, intimate relationships. I go, okay. So you're projecting your fears that because she's been lazy and she's not getting a job, that she can't get a job. Technically, that's not true. She can get a job. And if she gets the right job, like a sales job or like this type of a job where she's using her gift to gab and being social people on the surface level, she could probably make a lot of money at it. And if that were the case, she could get her own apartment. She could get her own house before you did. She looked at me. She's like, I guess technically that's true. I said, you have to believe that's true. Because if you don't believe that's true, you'll never be able to go along with this narrative and you'll always reflect to her that you doubt in her. And why would you possibly believe in someone that you doubt in? It's literally the opposite of believing in them. You need to pretend so well that you believe in her, you actually believe that you believe in her. I said, the reason why you need to do that is because that's what she does to herself. She self-hypnotizes. She convinces herself that she's not a tornado walking through the house and that she's a pleasant to be around and all you guys are crazy and she's totally hardworking. She totally has her life together. She convinces herself through self-hypnosis that she doesn't have any of these issues. Well, then you need to convince herself yourself that she doesn't have these issues that you need to save her from. You just need to find a way to get her to believe in herself so that she moves out so you can close the doors, change the locks and start your life over again so that when she does try to move back, if she happens to fail at that job, then you can reestablish the boundaries of your house. Because at that particular moment, that mom lost control of her whole entire house. Now, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, man, this sounds really familiar and this might be able to work with my older adolescent or younger 20-year-old to help them get out of the house as well, it's because it will. See, personality disorders are just personalities that are out of order. This extreme version of a personality, borderline personality disorder, it's fearful of abandonment, fearful of being exposed to the world if they're not good enough. That's no different than a teenager that's been talking all this trash their whole entire life that when they turn 18, they're going to do this, they're going to make money. And then 21 year old, they're still sitting at your house wanting you to pay for their cell phone, pay for their insurance. They don't want to do anything. Well, they want to do things, but they don't actually do the hard work to get those things. It's actually not much different. It's just a more extreme version of it. So yes, this episode is for people that have adult borderline kids that they're struggling with and also adult kids that they're struggling to help them be independent and to live on their own. So it goes for both. So as always, you guys, thanks for sending the questions. Please send in more questions. 
You can DM us at Light the Fight um, Instagram. Actually, it's not going to be Light the Fight Instagram. In fact, as of the time this episode comes out, I reluctantly changed it to David Kozlowski Instagram. When I say reluctantly changed it, I'm doing a lot of things <clears throat> with multiple podcasts. Um, I got a book coming out this spring. Shh, shh, little teaser on that. It's called Youth of the Nation. It's been a long time in the making. And uh, I'm not sure exactly on a launch day of that, but when that comes out. So the people around me convinced me to just turn everything into David Kozlowski instead of having multiple names. So uh, follow me, David Kozlowski. Wow, that sounds weird. I haven't had an Instagram account with my name on in a long time. So follow me if you like. If not, don't follow me at all. Just continue to take the suggestions. Try it out for yourself. Let me know how it goes and send in some questions if you like. And until next time, thank you for helping me to light the fight. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.